0: We close out soul fuel today. Eight weeks. This week I decided in my preparation to go back to week one, read my notes, week two, week three, week four, week five, and I realized how much I'd forgotten. So what chance did you have? And so I was going through it all and thinking, okay, what was the Lord saying to us in these last seven weeks ago? I mean, seven weeks from now is next year. So did you say a lot can happen in seven weeks. And in that time, what I want to do today is this. I'm going to go verse by verse with the, the last kind of 12 verses of the whole book of First Thessalonians. We've been journeying through it all. We're in that second half of the last chapter, chapter 5. I want to go verse 12 to 24, cover all of it. But I want to remind us all, why is this series called Soul Fuel? Because your soul is living and it needs fuel. It needs fuel. And this particular book of the Bible, this church, their soul was amazing, but they were reminded of the fuel needed for it. But also the fuel they were displaying. So let me go to chapter one, verse three again, and then I'll go to chapter five. So, hits, let's go. We continually remember before our God and Father, your work produced by faith, Your labor prompted by love and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Faith, hope, and love. This is a a hallmark, a thread through this whole book of the Bible. But actually faith, hope, and love is the fuel of our soul. Throughout the whole Bible and even those who do not follow Jesus in their very inner being, in their soul, they have a longing for fuel that is deeply connected to a desire for faith, hope, and love. The only issue is, because we crave it, we try and glean it wherever we can. And if we don't crave and glean that pure fuel of faith, hope, and love, we will get it, We will crave it in all the wrong places. And we see that. And it's not just, oh, those who are followers of Jesus have clean fuel and those who don't, don't. We find that we often sell ourselves short and grab something that our soul is crying for that isn't pure, but is fast food for the soul. And in the long run, isn't healthy. So today, let's go to chapter 5, verse 12 through 24. I'm going to walk through it. I'm going to go in order until I hit a certain point. Then I'm going to skip a section, jump to the end, and then come back. Why? Two reasons. One, keep you on your toes. And two, because I want to make the main thing the main thing at the end. Because there's a main thing that is really important. So, if you've got a Bible, you can turn to it. Thessalonians uh, is this book. And the way the New Testament is put together, it's kind of helpful. Where do you find it? All the T books are together. First and second Thessalonians starts with a T. First and second Timothy, Titus, they're all together. So the only books beginning with a T in the New Testament are all together. So if you can't find it, just look for any T one and you'll get it. They're all there. My recommendation is go to the end and take a left and you'll get there, you'll find it, all right? Just to help you with that. Most people struggle to navigate the Bible. It's okay, you're not alone. But here we go, chapter five, verse 12 and 13. And, and oh, I've got so many this today. I'm gonna to stay on track the best I can. There's one already brewing in my brain. Now, we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you and who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. You're gonna notice today that in these first few verses, you think, oh yeah, okay. And I think we sometimes just go over some verses and we just, yeah, yeah, there you go, nice. Kind of like it's the wallpaper of the main image. We, we go over them. But this week I really slowed down, looked at it and said, so what's going on here? Why is this being said? And who is it being said to? This right here is deliberately delivered to the church and talking about their leaders. Can I warn you, all too often, followers of Jesus get a Bible verse and try and tell those outside of the church, the Bible says, do this. And we expect them to live as if they are like Jesus when they don't follow Jesus. We expect, oh, the Bible says you should live like this. But without the power of the Holy Spirit, you've no chance. Often the scriptures are delivered directly to those who are following Jesus. And this text is a prime example. Speaking to the church and he's telling them, okay, guys, I want you to respect those who work hard among you and who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. He's talking about the leaders of that local church. I I want you to like respect them. Now, they're admonishing you. Then he goes on to say, like, hold them in the highest regard in love. It's relational. Because of their work, live in peace with each other. Just, oh yeah, obvious, live in peace with each other. Why is he saying that? Because he has seen, and we have seen throughout church history, that a lot of times in the church, it's more whining than it is peace. It's more, give me what I want, than it is what does everybody else need. It's a human condition. Comes up. Often, time and time again. The reality is, this is he's telling this is what I want you to do. Like, hold him in the highest regard. It is a natural human tendency when it comes to giving feedback to give feedback when we don't agree. More than it is just to encourage. It's just a natural human tendency. There's the the world of online reviews is now super high. Please give us a five-star. Like, please, and but yet you'll go on there and People may have given five stars, but they'll be the grouchy one. One star, my food was eight minutes late. Do you know whatever it may be? Or they'll be, we've got this beauty to be able to whine at Olympic standards. And, And I'm talking about the church here. And we have this, and so because that is our natural flesh to pull down rather than lift up to bring people down to our level rather than help them be empowered forward, Paul's leaning in going, look guys, it actually makes a huge difference when you just honor your leaders. You don't bow down to them, you bow down to Jesus, but there's something about it. And, I'm, and this is, what I'm gonna move on fast because it sounds like I'm talking about me. Ignore me, let's talk about the rest of the staff team and leaders we've got here. It makes a huge difference when you get a little bit of encouragement. It takes it from an ordinary day to a spring-in-your-step day. And you go, okay, that moment of I've just had one, two, three bad moments, and and, wow, lift me up. The reality is in our brain, it, it takes literally 10 times more encouragement to counter any one negative feedback. It's the way we're wired. We remember that person who didn't like that, and yet these... So can I just say, if... I want to just... Why not go for it this season? Anybody who has helped you in any way, shape, or form on this campus, at Grace, in any position at all, like, thank them. And maybe be more creative than, hey, thanks. Just maybe. And just find that that will fuel their soul with the spirit of encouragement that enables them to step into 2024 going, Thanks. Just a little bit. I'm only saying it because the Bible says so. It's there. We just brush over it. Okay? I'm asking for nothing. But our team will really benefit from it. Okay? Good. Carry on. First 14 and 15. It gets really interesting. And we urge you, brothers, strong word. We urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. We don't do all this because it just sounds so so nice. Isn't that such nice human behavior? very good. Uh, Can I challenge you with it then? And then I looked at it, and I thought, okay, what's going on here? What's taking place? Why is he saying this? And then it hit me. He is giving words to what does it mean to live like Jesus. Every single one of these, Jesus was an example of. We can go to the Gospels and find examples of every single one of these because, as followers of Jesus, we are to be the hands and feet of Jesus, becoming more like Jesus. That's the call. And so he's given this practical, here we go. And so I went through it and went, oh, here it is again. Learn his words, live his ways, love like Jesus. That's what a disciple is. Disciples, not just a believer. A disciple is a follower of Jesus who is learning his words. I'm learning them. I'm not just memorizing empty words. I'm learning what does that mean. and then living it out. I'm putting it into action. And I'm doing that with a posture of loving like he did. It's desperately needed. Now, with that in mind, the church, when we see the church, and people say, what is the church? There is a simple response here that is so clear the church is a community of faith hope and love now it's a community of faith in Jesus of hope in Jesus and his destiny and we're a community that are known by love for Jesus and love others with that love that's it but when people say describe the church do you hear that It's quite clear what we're to be known for. We're to be known for faith, hope, and love in our personal life and collectively. Are we known as a people who walk by faith, who are living with a sense of absolute hope and known for love? It's not that complicated. And here we have these words, I urge you, he's saying, please take note of this. Warn those who are idle. Now, a lot of commentators have said, well, the Thessalonian church, a lot of them were so convinced Jesus was returning tomorrow that they thought, why work today? Even if he's coming next week, why work today? Why bother? And there's an element to that, but at the same time, Jesus in his parables gave this analogy all the time. In the parable of the talents, the guy who only had one buried it, did nothing. Minors did nothing. There's There's this issue of just doing nothing, as if, and I'm going to say it playing it safe is not the call of God. Living with just mediocrity is not the call of God. To be known by faith is faith. To be living with a sense of hope, forward and love, it's active. Warn those who are idle, who just think, oh, yeah, okay, whatever. What's the point? I'm all good, thanks. There's a warning there, and we're accountable for it. And then he leans in and goes, encourage the timid. Help the weak. I want to lean into these two right now. I just wanted to brush past them and go, yeah, 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 nice, nice. Some of you in this room this morning are timid. Let me understand that word timid and help the weak. The timid is there is something holding you back. You don't associate yourself with being courageous. You you do you've got an element of fear just holding you back. There's timid for whatever reason. And there'll be a reason, but it's holding you back. There's a timidity. You don't feel Clever enough, strong enough, brave enough, beautiful enough, fill in the blank enough. And there's timid. Of all the words that he wanted to speak into the timid was the word encourage. The French, encourage, means put courage in. Put courage in. To who? Those who are feeling timid put courage in there's a big connection between the word courage and the very word in the Hebrew ruach which was the breath of God when Adam was just formed out of the ground he wasn't alive until the Lord breathed into his nostrils and that breath of God was what brought him alive the very presence of the power of God in your life encouraging you is to bring you to fullness of life. And some of you are feeling timid in a specific area of your life today, and today is the day to receive his courage. It's our role. I I took this as a charge on me today. Des, encourage the timid. And at prayer time at the end, for some of you who are feeling that lack of courage, bravery, identity issue going on, you can do it. Come out of your seats. Come forward. Let us pray with you and for you for the very presence of the Lord and his courage in you. And then he says, help the weak. We saw Jesus warning the idle. We see Jesus encouraging the timid in the gospels. We see him helping the weak. what we're about in helping the weak. Be patient with everyone. I was instantly reminded in the letter that Peter wrote and he said about God, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. There's a patience there that, that we need to understand that God is patient with us. And then he said, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Huh. Can we delete that from the Bible, please? You did that. I'm doing that. The old phrase, don't get mad, get even. It's a complete con. Because we never want to get even. We always want to be one up. Because otherwise you don't feel good. Well, you're a little child, he did that, I'm going to do that. This is what I'm going to do. We want to get revenge. Revenge is this. You did this. I'm not going to get even. I want to have the upper hand. Because you have the upper hand, they're all, oh, that's not fair. Upper hand. Upper hand. And the rest, as we say, is human history. And here it is. This radical statement. Do in the church, in the church, we're looking for a people, the world is looking for a people who will live his words and ways and love like him. Do not make sure nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Jesus, what if he had demanded wrong for wrong? What if he had demanded wrong for wrong? He who had no sin. Became sin for us. That we might become the righteousness of God. It's this opposite of revenge, isn't it? It's you did this to me for you. What? The way of Jesus is to not make sure nobody does this. Pays back wrong for wrong. but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Scriptures would say, it is the Lord's loving kindness that leads us to repentance. Are we missing his words, his ways, and his love here? Or are we trying to like just threaten people to follow Jesus? Are we, and all of that. Are we known by our way of Jesus or anger. Let's carry on. I'm going to skip verse 16 to 18 because that's the gold we'll come to. But let's do verse 19 to 24. Still a lot here. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Say what? Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything. Depending on your personality, you will hone in on something I just said then. You've got the do not put out the Spirit's fire, and then you've got the do not treat prophecies with contempt, but then you've got the test everything. I'm going to poke the bear a little bit here, okay? There is many people in church world that always have done this. By nature, most humans are control freaks, aren't you? You're a control freak. You want to make sure you've got it all in control. You want to make sure that, yeah, this is tomorrow. It's like, not, no, nothing you know, we're being responsible. I'm not saying be irresponsible. And you can be planned and you can be organized. But control freak is control freak. Like, no, 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 I want to make sure. But we've let that human behavior control the church. And here's this thing thing that the Apostle Paul is leading into this church and going, hey, in my closing words, don't, don't put out the Spirit's fire. And what we've done, with maybe because we've wanted to test everything, is there's a move of God happening and it's a little bit out of your understanding and a little bit out of your control. So what you do is, I am testing everything. Bucket of water, I'm going to test it by putting it out, and then I'm safe again. Then I'm safe again. I just finished a couple of weeks ago one of Mark Barrison's other books called uh, *The Way of the Wild Goose*. And the way of the wild goose, the, uh, the Celtic Christians called the Holy Spirit the wild goose, and the Holy Spirit will not be tamed will not be tamed but you want him tamed you think the holy spirit's your labrador i know your little lap dog he's a roaring lion and and with that in mind do not put out the spirit's fire i'm just gonna say uh, 2024 church on paper, looks like being a year for the United States is going to be full of division, full of accusation, full of inflammatory comments, an election coming. It's going to get loud and ugly, possibly out there. Or, or, in the midst of that darkness, there's going to be a people who turn the light on. There's going to be a people who will shine different. There'll be a people who will live like this. There'll be a people who will be the light of the world because they were told to be the light of the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city of a hill cannot be hidden. And in the midst of darkness, there'll be people grappling for the light. Or we can just engage and make the darkness even darker and have division going everywhere. I'm just telling you, as you go into 24, I'm asking you the question, who is king? Who is king? And where is your faith, hope, and love? And we have an opportunity to not put out the Spirit's fire. Test everything. Yeah, but what's the context? But don't put the Spirit's fire out. That's the context. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, that word shalom means completion and wholeness. Sanctify you through and through, becoming more and more like Jesus. The God of completion and wholeness wants me to be sanctified through and through. What would that look like? What would it look like? For my soul fuel to be so full that I become more and more like Jesus. What does that look like to be sanctified as a husband, as a dad, as a work colleague, as a fill in the blank? What is that going to look like? And it's all here. This is just some real work. There's some real work and real questions here. We'd much rather go on to other things, more glamorous. But this is like life-changing stuff. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. Now, with that in mind, this week I was musing over some things. I'm going, yes, Lord. So fill my soul and, and I'm in search for God and search for greater faith and in search for more defined hope and search for the reality of love. And yes, and there's that searching and there's that craving for it. And then it hit me, then it hit me. Is it simply about me searching and me asking and me longing for? And I went, huh. With even greater measure, the Lord is searching for me. The Lord desires for me. The Lord has for me all to pour into me. It's like, yeah, I know I'm saved by grace, but but I'm also kept by grace. It, it, there's a walking with God and we just go, oh, I've got to try harder. Is it possible that in my Adoration of God, I I sense him searching for me. I sense him saying, I'm here. Here you are. Isn't that the image of the prodigal son? Isn't that the father who, he's lost his son and the father's closed the gate, put 25 bolts in it, shut the door and kept him out? Or is the father longing each day, looking for his son to return? Old Testament, the eyes of the Lord range throughout the whole earth looking for a people whose hearts are fully devoted to him. The Lord is searching for you. He has this for you. He's a loving father who wants to pour into you faith, hope, love. Now, I'm gonna move on. Matthew 6, 24 to 26, you know this, but hear it in this context. The words of Jesus, he then said to his disciples, Again, who's he speaking to? He's speaking to his followers. And he said, if anyone would come after me, follow me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? You have these cravings. This is what I want. And you want to gain the whole world, yet forfeit your soul. Your life is found in the fullness of faith, hope, and love. There's a phrase. <laughs> Be careful you don't sell your soul to the devil. Oh, she sold her soul to the devil. Yep, yeah, Him sold his soul to the devil. And I look at us, and I look in the mirror, and I look at the church, and I go, I don't think so much as we sell our soul to the devil as we just give parts of it away. We just let some of it die. We don't tend to it. We don't nurture it. And by default, the devil has it. So let me remind you of this core thing of faith, hope, and love with these core questions again and then we'll get to the real gold which is not long but shiny. Faith, hope, love. Learn his words, live his ways, love like him. Faith is all about the past that has happened for you and it's truth. Your faith has got to be in what is true. And because faith is defined by truth, the question you're asking is, can it be trusted? The soul craving is, can anyone be trusted? Can anything be trusted? And that's the tension. And so in your own soul, when it comes to trusting God, you are trusting God on the basis of navigating being human and on the trust of other people who may have let you down. And it affects your faith. And something got a little bit affected there. But he can be trusted. Because he is the truth. He is truth. And faith is no, he is and it is true. And it has happened. He's demonstrated it. He's proven it. He can be trusted. Faith. Now, with with that in mind, it raises the question then. I think... The struggle we have with faith is related to our fear of commitment. Because commitment such an all-in statement. And there is a trust issue that has maybe been eroded. And today is a day when you come for prayer to ask for the Lord to heal that. Ask for his healing there. I mean, because the purpose of it, Lord, I want to step in and trust you more than ever before. I want to be known by a person who lives by faith. Now, don't pray that prayer if you're not prepared for the Lord to put you in a situation that demands it. Yes? But he can be trusted. Hope is about the future. Faith, past, hope, future, The craving for meaning is in faith. The craving for destiny is in hope. And there is a future because Jesus did live and die and was risen and has promised to return and to renew all things. And our future is mind-blowingly incredible. And our eternity is mind-blowingly incredible. But in the here and now, that craving for destiny moves from, this is about believing, but this is about who am I becoming? And who am I being, becoming like and being drawn to? That's why the do not be idle is such an important statement. Who am I becoming? This is about, is anything worth living for? This is Purpose. This is why. This is what and who I have faith in. And this is who I'm becoming. And there's purpose and there's meaning. Is there anything worth living for? And we need that craving in our soul. And whatever that is in your life will define who God is to you. Yeah, my purpose and meaning is Make this be successful at that. Be it's very, very, it's our soul craving drawing us to it, drawing us to it. Love, past faith, future hope. How are they connected in love? The present is love. The present was before all things. Love was before all things and beyond all things. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end, before it all. He created it out of love. He came and lived because of love. He died because of love. He was risen because of love. He will return because of love. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. At the core heart of it, your soul craves connection and belonging and intimacy. And the Lord craves that for you and with you and with other people. It's the way we're designed because this is Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way, hope, way, life is love. It's been declared clearly that craving for connection and intimacy and belonging is so, so important. And the core heart question is, does anyone care? Does anyone care? And what we end up having is a fear of commitment without faith, but a fear of intimacy without love. And that always leads us to isolation and immorality. If you were to look at a lot of immorality when it comes to human behavior, you'll find that one of the root causes behind it is still the soul craving for connection. There's a, such a deep longing that we'll find it wherever we can find it. And all too often in all the wrong places. And all too often in a way that sometimes leads us hurt. Okay, let's dive into 16 to 18 because this is a big deal. This is the most well-known passage in the whole of the book of First Thessalonians. The most quoted. It's three verses that could be one. Because like two of the verses are two words each. And so, with that in mind, I'm going to go with it. It's really well known, but let me lean in. Chapter 5, 16 to 18. Let me read it this way. Be joyful sometimes. Pray once a year. Give thanks on the good days. For this is Satan's will for you. Or, be joyful always. That's mind-blowing. Pray continually, or without ceasing, some translations say. Give thanks in all circumstances. Oh, and just to put the bow on it, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What's the Lord's will for your life? How am I called to live? Uh, there you go. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Oh, and not again. So number three. Here we go again. And so I spent a good hour this week trying to manipulate this text to fit what I thought would be really cool. And thought I'm convinced that be joyful always was either faith, hope, or love. And pray continually was either faith, hope, or love. And give thanks in all circumstances with either faith, hope, or love. So I, I literally spent an hour. Oh, I think it's this, I think it's this, I think it's this. And I was like, yeah, it's gotta be. I mean, it's, it's all there, this is so cool. What a bit of gold I'll be able to reveal to people on Sunday. How brilliant. Only to find that was not the case. But what I did find was something absolutely stunning. Is being joyful always faith, hope, or love? And then I looked and I went, it's not possible to be joyful without faith. Always without faith. Faith is very much the demonstration of acting your way into a feeling. I'm I'm a believer in that. Faith is, it is true, I stand on that truth, and that is a reality. It doesn't matter if I feel it or not. Faith is who I trust. It doesn't matter if I feel it or not. So be joyful always has got to come from somewhere just outside of my feelings. My joy is found somewhere. So is it faith? And I went, yeah, but surely I need hope to be joyful always. Yeah, because whatever my circumstances, I can be joyful always because I know my destiny. I know who I am, whose I am, and what life is about. So I can, I can be joyful always because of the hope that has been given to me. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul, the Scriptures say. So I'm like, okay, so being joyful always is a matter of faith. It's a matter of hope. But how on earth can I be joyful without the love of God and loving other people? I cannot. Because the source of joy has been given to me by love for God so loved the world that He gave And everything we do in life, the greatest of these is love. So I thought, oh, so be joyful always is faith, hope, and love in action. Yeah, it is. Oh, there goes my nice little equation. And then I went to the next one. Pray continually. Oh, well, that's clearly faith. Pray. How big are your prayers, church? How big are they? Are you praying without ceasing? Some of you stopped praying for that breakthrough that you've been longing for. Some of you have stopped praying for that loved one who's going through crisis. Some of you have stopped praying for that loved one who is so far from God you can't imagine them ever knowing him. Some of you have ceased praying and you're looking for other sources of the solution to the situation you're in. But pray continually. And that's about faith. Who am I praying to? But surely pray continually is about hope. (laughs) Because there's a hope with our prayer. And seeing what the Lord has done. But then, of course, prayer continually has got to be about love. Because I'm praying the name of Jesus. I'm praying to the one who is love in his fullness. His throne is covered in love. His banner over me is love. So, therefore, pray continually is faith, hope, and love. Okay, I think I've got the message now. Because give thanks in all circumstances. It's only possible with faith hope and love i can give thanks in all circumstances because the reality is faith is needed if the circumstances are horrific how can i give thanks i have to know who is it who is it that i have faith my life is i believe god where is my hope where is the thing that really matters most which is love in all circumstances Give thanks. And it's the ability to give thanks in all circumstances which gets us to rise above the darkness. It's supernatural. It gets us to take time out and have a look at the awe and the wonder and the majesty and the beauty and the provision of our King. And we can do that through faith and hope And love. And so, in this season especially, but especially even this week, you've got to slow down and say, Okay, Lord, my soul, I want to walk by faith. My soul, give me a renewed revelation of your hope. My soul, lay your love on me. And may I be a conduit of it and let it flow out. There's a receiving that is required. Because this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. It's the end of a series, so I'm loath to miss a bit. Who is Jesus to you? I ask this question. Not who is Jesus, who is he to you? Is he king? Is he Lord? When it comes to your soul and the fuel in it, this is about if who is Jesus to you, is he your king? Is your life therefore a reflection of who you belong to? We have a king and his kingdom. We are not his slaves. We are his sons and daughters of the king. Family of the king in his kingdom. That's a posture. And if I belong to his kingdom, am I living as a reflection of what his kingdom is? Therefore, let me just challenge you today. Some of you in some aspects of your life, there's things not in divine order and you are longing for your soul to be filled, but it cannot if you've put a lid on where you know you are not in divine order. There's something in your life and you're just going, nope, my way. No, nope, I'm gonna fix it. Nope, don't trust you with that one. Nope, I'll find hope somewhere else. Nope, I'll get love somewhere else. This is not about judgmental. This is Freedom for your soul to be filled. We can approach his throne of grace with confidence. We approach it with confidence. And the doorway to that is we enter. The scriptures talk about entering into his presence. He's made the way. We don't have to be pure and spotless, he makes the way and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness he does that in us but there's things in your life today surrender come out for prayer today and go yeah my life's not in divine order in this help me help me to have the courage to step into his divine order to literally take the lid off so I can be refilled with what he has for me that's a repentance journey I'm returning to you God I trust you by faith, I'm gonna trust you. I don't know what it's gonna look like, but I trust you. I trust that you know what is best. I trust you. Any man should come after me, he should deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, take up his cross and follow me. What would it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? And so today, in the prayer time, it's gonna be. Hey, there's some divine order things there. It's the last opportunity in this season to come and go, Do you know what? I just want to come for a fresh anointing of a soul filling. Lord, may I live in the fullness of faith, hope, and love. And I want that to spill out this week and into this season. I want people to I want people to bump into me and go, wow, you smell good. What is that love all over you? I want people to see that I'm trusting in him in the midst of chaos. I want people to know that I'm not living by fear for a hope because my hope is secure. When you look at your king, when's the last time you gazed upon his beauty? When's the last time you you gazed and saw the wonder of God? And when's the last time you engaged with him and just went, oh, his power, his beauty, his wonder, his power. When you praise the Lord and you worship him, are you going there to gaze upon his beauty, to be blown away away by his wonder, and to receive and be awestruck by his power? This is what we're going to do. I'm going to do this to close today. I want to kind of pray over you some lyrics of a brand new song. We're not singing it today. We will win the spring. That this morning, I, I, when I did a workout, went out on my walk, I'm walking around the neighborhood. You may have heard me. That's all I'm saying. Like, you may have heard me. Headphones were in. It was dark, so people couldn't see me. And I'm, I'm just... Belting this bridge of this song out I am belting it out And I know you hear me say it all the time And in my car I sound amazing Like I just It's just my love language Music is my love language To the Lord And I can't help it And this new song has been Just going in me deeper and deeper And it touched me so much And I want to pray this Lyrics over you And into This season. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Praise is unbelievably powerful. The enemy can't can't stand in it. It is a battering ram against the darkness. And it is so incredible. When the psalmist declares, Bless the Lord, O my soul. I want to bless the Lord. I want to, I, he knew something. And so if you would, I want to pray over you. Uh, maybe you want to take a receiving posture. It's good. Um, I, I just, just be ready. Let me pray this to close off this series and pray it into you. King Jesus, we long for our souls to be filled with faith, hope, and love, but You've declared what matters most, to love you with everything, to praise you, to bless you. So Lord, these words, may they fall into all of our souls and our hearts right now. Bless God in the sanctuary. Bless God in the fields of plenty. Bless God in the darkest valley. Every chance I get, I'll bless your name. Bless God when my hands are empty. Bless God when a praise even costs me. Bless God when nobody's watching. Every chance I'll get, I'll bless your name. Bless God when the weapons form in. Bless God when the walls are falling. Bless God because he goes before me. Every chance I get, I'll bless your name. Bless God for he holds the victory. Bless God, for he's always with me. Bless God, for he's always worthy. Every chance I get, I'll bless your name. Oh Lord, we will sing today that you have no rival. You have no equal. Now and together, God, you reign forever for yours is the kingdom yours is the glory yours is the name above all names we lift our voices God and we gaze upon your beauty your wonder and your power come fill our souls come fill our souls with your faith Hope and love in Jesus' name. Amen. Prayer partners, would you come out right now? Would you all stand? I'm, I'm, I'm expecting all our prayer partners, leaders to, to be busy right now. I mean, why would you not want a fresh anointing to have your soul filled? If there's a divine order issue, Come. Come. And let's, let's deal with that. Come and pray. Yes, Lord. I want to get myself in divine order with you. So come and we'll, we'll wait. A couple of songs of declaration. Let's really go for it this morning. Lift your voices. Looking forward to seeing you on Wednesday night. Student building. Start at seven. We share communion together. It's beautiful. Um, see you all Wednesday. Good. Come for prayer.